Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Des Bishop Podcast. Happy Christmas Eve. Uh, happy holidays to those that don't care about Christmas. Happy week of winter solstice to the heathen atheists. Um, I hope you're enjoying these dark days. I'm sitting here with Tum Tum, the foster dog, who is distracting me by constantly chewing on the wire of my microphone. I had to abort my initial introduction because she distracted me so much that she... Uh, she actually put her paw on my Zoom H6 and uh, pressed one of the buttons and screwed everything up. And she seemed to have calmed down. But now, as I do this intro, she's biting my hand. Uh-uh. So anyway, I'm not going to let you guys get too involved with that. We have an amazing episode coming up with Lori Kilmartin, American comedian, who I can't remember how I got to know originally. Either she came to Ireland for the cat laughs, or perhaps we met at Montreal 2010, Aspen Comedy Festival 2005. Needless to say, we know each other, follow each other on Twitter, and um, she had done a show. She she did a show about when her dad died uh, back, I think, around 2012, which obviously registered with me because I had only just finished doing a show about my own dad. Um, and then I recently saw an article in the Washington Post, you know, that took me by surprise that her mom had passed and that the article gave the impression that she was kind of doing jokes about that too. But what I didn't really register until after I had organized the chat, because, um, Laurie happened to be tweeting, or she, she made a comment recently on a tweet I had put up about the famine. She's Irish American and, just a couple of, you know, back and forths on Twitter. And then I said, oh, hey, I'd love to chat to you because we've both lost our parents and I just thought it'd be a good chat. What I didn't really register until right before the chat, I had to look back at that Washington Post article and I realized that her mom had died of COVID, which somehow I hadn't registered that properly. Long story short, I thought this would be a chat about the two of us having turned uh, loss and grief into humor it was much deeper than that because, you know, Laurie has lost her mom to COVID in the middle of this pandemic uh, as the dog and the cat uh, getting a standoff, which you can probably hear. But I've got too many presents to wrap to restart this thing. So unfortunately, this intro is also going to have uh, a dog and a cat playing with each other. When I tell you that the dog and the cat are playing with each other, the dog is dying to play with the cat and the cat is dying to kill the dog. But it never escalates to anything that's worrisome. Bit of hissing and um, a, a bit of a cat puffing up, but nothing too dangerous. Anyway, it end, it, it's a really interesting chat uh, because obviously Laurie has experienced the loss that we see on the news every day, but perhaps sometimes it's hard to personalize. 
So I think it's very important for all of us to hear this. Um, it's also, it was great for me to just be able to uh, yap about loss and grief with somebody who gets it on a, on a level that, for me, it, it's, it's, it was very enjoyable because, you know, she, she also has that comedian's mind that naturally sort of thinks about these things at times in a humorous way. So anyway, needless to say, uh, I really enjoyed this chat. Um, we're both on Zoom. I didn't have my my Zoom H6. Uh, when I say I didn't have my Zoom H6, I had my Zoom H6, but there was so much going on two days ago that I forgot to press play. I nearly lied to you guys there, but actually it was my fault. And I'm going to go and let this chat happen because the dog is about to step on my thing again. Enjoy the chat with Laurie Kilmartin. Thanks. Now, you know, when I when I asked you to have this chat, I I had you know months ago whatever you had a you had a, an article in the Washington Post, right? Yeah, yeah and I, I had seen that just and I was like, oh wow, that's so strange because Laurie like lost her dad, did a show. I had lost my dad and done a show actually a few years before you lost your dad. I lost my dad, but then I lost my mom only a year and a half ago. You lost your mom only a few months after that, and then you were you were you were joking about that too. So I was like, oh, let's chat about uh, you know grief and shows and stuff. But the whole time I was reading that article, I guess I registered it at the time, but I'd forgotten. When I asked you, I didn't realize that your mom had died of COVID. Yeah, I haven't read that article yet. I saw it and I saw a few pull quotes and I was like, I can't handle it. And I ran away. Uh, so I haven't read it. But um, No, because I, uh, yeah. I just quickly jumped back t- today just to be like, re- remind myself if I had imagined reading something about your mom dying, <laughs> like I had to like, double yeah. check. Are both their parents dead? Because if they're not, then this is fucking chat is useless. Uh, but of which of course I'm kidding, but the, yeah, I was, I, I, for some reason, I don't know why it didn't register with me at the time that your mom had died of COVID. And I don't know many people who've lost people from COVID. Yeah, it, it, it happened super quick. She, um, she was, uh, in hospitalized for, you know, old people shit. And then they put her in a rehab center to, um, to get a little stronger and that's where she caught it. And she caught it, uh, on June 11th, because they were testing every day, and then um, she died a week later. So it uh, it it like knocked her out pretty quick. God, and and it, isn't that? Uh, I mean, what I I, I have the, the fact that it happened at the rehab is like that's very annoying. I oh yeah oh yeah because I mean what what I could have done had I had it been I guess. The other thing is California was doing so well. And I, I, I assumed, well, they got their shit together. They know how to do nursing facilities now. <laughs> and they did it. They had it. And no doctor said, hey, uh, you, you know, if there's any other way you could bring her home and hire a nurse, uh, which we could have done. Uh, it, it sucked because she um, needed to learn how to use the bathroom again. And as soon as I heard that, I'm like, get her get her out. <laughs> I don't want her home until she can take a shit without my assistance. Uh, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, so I, you know, but I had, had it, I mean, I don't know what the, anyone's obligation is to anything. It's a conta- highly contagious disease and an old person's going to get it and die. But, you know, if I could do it over again, I would just bring her home and we would, you know, spend the money and hire a nurse to get her to where she needed to be. I know, but hindsight's twenty twenty. I mean, I, like oh, I, I know. COVID is just in COVID is is a is such a massive thing to add to what is already such a difficult situation. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I think 
the, the thing that's awful, again, like she probably would have died in the next year anyway, but uh, it's the isolation leading up to the death that's, I think, really horrific for so many people. Like you just can't, you know, even if the person is probably going to die, you know, I mean, it's obviously if someone's in their 60s or something, and that's a real tragedy or younger, but if they're in their 80s, it's like, can I just, you know, hang out and give her a hug and, and, and I, your dad died from lung cancer as well, right? Right. Yeah, my dad did too. And so his hospice was like the best possible situation. It was at home. We were all there. We were with him 24 hours a day and we were just taking care of him. And that's the way to go out, you know, in my opinion. Yeah. And, and you had, and you had that experience. And I, I always talk to people about how I would find it difficult if my father or mother had died suddenly uh, because you wouldn't have that time. And like, that's the thing about lung cancer. It's terribly tragic, but you get all the time. You say what you need to say, but yeah. now, you, now you have this once in a century situation where you know that she's dying, but you can't be there. That's tough. Yeah. 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 And you know, you're talking on an iPad and I, I couldn't tell if she could hear us on the iPad, but we just kept it on all the time. And we're, it just kind of like, would carry her around the house and talk to her like she was hanging out with us. And then uh, my sister and I kind of lobbied and we got to visit for an hour, you know, in full PPE. And uh, there was one instance where we could tell she knew we were there and that was it. It was like a, a minute, like a, not even a minute. It was like 15 seconds where she kind of sat up in bed and tried to open her eyes and kind of reach out, you know, I don't know how, where she was in her body. Was she like blind at this point? And just like in the, I wonder where she was like at the very back of her head and halfway to death and hurt us or I'll never know, but I'm, I'm so glad we even got that. But then, then she was alone for four more days before she died. Yeah. yeah. See that, that I did. That's tough. I didn't actually, I, I, I didn't know. And I, but I know that you're doing jokes about it since but yeah, I, but I got I, I I would I mean I would immediately think that it was easier to joke about your experience with your father, except that you can sprinkle this situation with your mom with the fact that it's a global pandemic that everybody's talking about. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, it's if you're it's it's the only way to process grief. <laughs> I mean, be, be, you know, publicly, I think it to me, I. Uh, it's it's preferable to just open rage and sobbing. You know, um, I, I could save that for my uh, journal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, personally, I don't know if you had the same experience, but I, I find losing your mother to be a, a more profound experience, regardless of the of the unique circumstances that you have. But I've shared that with a lot of people, and possibly not as universal as I thought. I thought that would just be a given. <laughs> Maybe it's the opposite gender parent that, oh, right. that hits you. Like, and obviously how complicated the relationship was. Like my dad and I were, you know, every, every, every conflict had been resolved. It was just like smooth sailing for the last 20 years of his life. And, and uh, so I just wanted more of that. And my mom, you know, every conflict still existed. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and she was living with me for the last four years of her life. So it was right in my face. And, and so, you know, we had like big old, she's a Trumper. And so we would have, you know, in like, I couldn't, sometimes I couldn't stop myself from talking about politics. Like, 
I was like, no, don't go there. And I would try to shove words back in my mouth, but I was so fucking angry. So we would have these fights and, and by the way, she's having heart failure and I'm yelling at her. And I still remember <laughs> like what an asshole I am. You know, I outweighed her by 200 pounds and I'm just yelling at her for, you know, a belief system that was put in her head when she was four, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, we had a similar experience. I mean, my mother wasn't a Trumper, but you know, uh, everything with my dad was very neat. Almost I, like it, it very much mirrors your experience. Like, the conflicts were resolved. It was all love. And it was all like, you know, everything about it was the way I would have scripted it had I had a chance to script it. Whereas, you know, my mother, again, same as you, the the relationship was so much more complicated. And when she died, I didn't, I didn't have the same sense of completeness that I had had with my father. Yeah. And also when, you know, like for both of us, our dads went, First, and then our moms were alive for like six or seven more years. And that, and that, that, that's all, that's like the worst six or seven years of their lives. <laughs> you know, they, start to, <laughs> they start to crumple and turn into these gnarled trees that um, are much more difficult to get along with when, when you don't have your dad to sort of bounce off of and, you know, complete the triangle when the two, the, when you're together with them, you know, like they're, they become, they're a couple. And so when they're, when that's taken away from, in both of our cases, our moms, they just, you know, they're, they're pretty lost. So I don't don't know. I don't think my mom dealt great with it. With, with the grief. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, my mother, my mother is very much, this is Ronald Kilmartin, (laughs) you know, (laughs) but you're Irish American, right? That's how we started chatting on Twitter. You you were looking at the, I don't know, man. I think some of this has to do with the, was your mother Irish American too? She had, she's got a little bit of everything, but a couple of Irish grandparents or great grandparents. But um, yeah, I mean, I didn't, I think I always felt like I'm American and, and if St. Patrick's Day is just an embarrassment in the United States. And, and, you know, like when you meet a real Irish person, you're like, oh, okay, I'm sorry. I won't even say that I'm Irish anymore. I, I apologize. <laughs> I apologize. Um, so, but after my dad died, I was just kind of, you know, even though we had our conflicts had been smoothed over, it's still like, who was this guy? And why was he this way? And is it, and all of his ancestors could be traced to Ireland and they came over during the famine. And I, and then I read that like an event like that stays in a family's DNA for about hundred to 150 years. So I'm like, my dad might've been the last line of, of his line that had like some what however the famine affected the dna it might have yeah, he might have been the last one and that did affect his personality and then i just it's a wormhole you can't get out of it. i know well there's actually a word for it, which i've forgotten but it's some sort of like genetic trauma or something like you know like, yeah yeah or, yeah, or, yeah. Or, or, or or there's another word for it but uh, um, i know I you're, mean, yeah they can't they can't prove whether it's true or not but the only reason why i asked about the irish american connection is because it sounds so familiar to me with what, what you're going through. But I do also think that sometimes cultures like to sort of frame something as a unique experience to their culture, but it's probably more just a sort of Judeo-Christian Western kind of grief experience, yeah. families and their complications that, that kind of come to light. Well, or, or you certainly think about them more when there's no more time to think about them. I know. Or yeah. resolve them. Yeah. I mean, I, like all the stuff I've learned since about my dad's background, I'd love, he, he would love to know, you know, I'm so bummed. Like I, we found his, 
one of his great grandmothers left Cork, you know, during um, Kilavallen Cork during the famine, 18, uh, mid 1840s, I forget exactly what year. And due to some like very distant cousins, they gave us the GPS coordinates of the house that she lived in, which was stone made of stone. And so my son and I went there and we put my dad's ashes on the house and, um, you, oh, you know, spread, you spread some there or you just, yeah, we just made someone else's property, I guess, but uh, <laughs> they weren't home. And, uh, <laughs> but I'm like, dang, my dad would have dug this. He really would have, but oh well, Hey, I, I got into that. it too late. That's well, you know, but that's the, that's the killer. That like I, I'm I'm pretty good with grief. I assume you're pretty good with grief. You've dealt with it in a very similar way to to me. But those are the moments that you can't avoid feeling it. You know, just like a a fleeting moment of, oh, I'll I'll tell my dad, or even just my dad would have loved this. It it does bring it home that it's so final. I know. Yeah, yeah. My son got. Um, this is so dumb, but his tooth, his front front tooth got knocked out when he was like six. It was the adult tooth. And he's had this gap that's been, drove my mom crazy. And like, t- like two months after she died, the ortho finally put in a, like a fake tooth, you know, in the braces, there's enough space. And I'm like, oh, she fucking would have loved to see a mouthful of teeth on this kid. Uh, oh, well. <laughs> I know. Yeah, that's the thing. And that, for me personally as well, I mean, this is just a back and forth of personal stories, but I just, I found it was like the, the, the reality of grief for me was more obvious with my mom, like with my dad dying. See, the, the thing is, I, I know your dad, oh, oh no, you dealt with, this is what was, I thought was very similar. If we just jump back to experience you were having with your dad, because at that time I was reading your tweets as they were going out, right? So that was like, I'm sure you've been told a million times, but the fact that you were tweeting his death experience was very entertaining for me personally on a very deep level because it was all so fucking funny, but also so spot on because you can't hide from what you're experiencing, right? You're experiencing it for the first time. So that's why it's so vivid, right? It's so easy to make these, these, these explosions of creativity because it's all like right in front of your face. But I had, I had the similar experience of, I, I, I did a show about my dad dying. Actually, I didn't do a show about my, my, dad being dead he was alive i got him on stage with me and uh wow yeah yeah but i I, the point i was basically trying to make is it was it made that easier you know kind of made it made it fun did was that the same for you um yeah i I don't remember fun (laughs) (laughs) well that's probably the wrong word (laughs) But no, I mean, yeah, of course it made it easier for sure. Uh, and then when people start reacting to it, it's like, oh, because it also when that's happening, you're like, I'm the only person on earth. No one has felt this pain before. This is new grief to humanity. And then then people start chiming in and, you know, it's like, okay, it, it's not. I mean, even though it's it's new for me, it's not new. And, uh, and you know, it, it kind of helped a lot, you know? Yeah. But also it, it, even though it's not, it's not new, it's not new, it's new for you, which is great. Cause then you just get to put your personal take on it. And because you're a comedian, you have that unique skill of being able to like humorize it. Like I, I, you know, obviously I'm sure you've done a gazillion interviews about like 
why is it that we find it difficult to joke about grief and all that? But it's, 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 it's not just about the fact that you can joke about grief. It's just a way for people to engage with grief or see themselves in it the same way they see themselves in a funny joke about relationships or sex. It's just a great way to be like, oh, yeah, that too. That also is so true. <laughs> like all our other yeah. shitty, all our other shitty observational most- jokes. No, but yeah, but it's like that emotion is as real and not and as important and as insignificant as being having a crush on somebody. It's just it takes up a different part of your it's super different. But like I, I always felt like when I was doing jokes on stage, too, I'm like, I, I, I'll know I'm healed when they can do a check drop during me talking about my dad dying from lung cancer. And it's no big deal for me <laughs> because now I'm treating them as just as jokes, just like any other part of my acts. And then it, then I'm complete in a way, you know, <laughs> that's, that's funny. <laughs> did you, did you ever, did you ever feel like you were avoiding it, avoiding grief with it at times? No, I think that that's, that's the only way I take it on, you know, that's mostly the way I take it on. I think my grief avoidance is more food and, you know, fantasy and television. <laughs> the one thing, the, the, the reason why I ask is my personal experience of, of it was with my, with the show about my dad was, so he died in the middle of like the extended tour of that show, but I kept doing it. And I had all the video footage that was required for the punchlines and the grand finale of the show. And and it was I I I just I I've I've read some of the, your your book and stuff, and uh, I listened to a podcast that you did with somebody also about this ages ago. By the way, not in research for this. I was just yeah. I was just looking for podcasts on grief, and I saw that you were chatting to somebody. Anyway, that's a, a long winded way to say the shows weren't exactly the same. But anyway, uh, <laughs> the way after he died, I kept doing the show, and the thing that I noticed was when I finally finished doing the show. I experienced like another layer of grief, which was basically to say, oh, I no longer have this thing in my backpack, like, like as if he was still there sort of on my shoulder, you know? Yes, that's true. That, that thing of, uh, yeah, cause my dad died in March of 2014 and then I, I shot, I, I shot my special on in November. So it was, uh, a very intense mad dash to get it done. Um, and so, yeah, that was definitely a thing to throw myself into afterwards. Um, so maybe that was that that is sort of a way of keeping them alive for a few extra months. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah, then when I, the yeah, show yeah. ends, when the project ends, then it's like, oh, it's real. He's really not here anymore, and I can't even I can't even uh, do jokes about it because I did them all. I don't have anything left, so it's. To, to 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 construct him, you know, in a way. Well, yeah, that's what's the handy thing about having a second parent die on you because then you get a whole new go at it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, part of it's like, yeah, I, I cover this territory. I don't know if I, I don't know if I'm going to have more than seven minutes on my mom. And, and I'm like, again, she gets gypped. Like my dad got a special <laughs> and a book, and my mom gets maybe seven minutes on Zoom. You know. So, well, it's actually, that that is the ending joke. Well, one of the, one of the last jokes of my show about my mother was, uh, you know, I, I don't, I don't believe in heaven or whatever, but just in case there's heaven, I had to do a show because I know the first thing she would say to me was, oh, your father got a show. I didn't get a show, but, 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 but all joking aside, 
my mother actually, we jokingly had that conversation many times when she was alive about, yeah. you know, will you do a show about me? And I would always joke with her and say, Ma, that's a fucking, that's not a comedy show. You know, like our, our relationship is just more complicated. <laughs> and I, I, I never knew, I never knew what that show might be. But it's funny, after she died, I did, I did immediately find, uh, 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 but it's a different thing because it's about grief. My dad's show was about fatherhood and becoming the parent of your parents and just looking after a loved one. Whereas my mother's show was about grief. And then it's also about anxiety and things she realized about herself late in life and how I see myself in that. And, you know, so it's just a whole other thing, you know? Yeah, I mean, I, I guess I still feel like I'm in it because the whole world's still in it. Like, mm. we're not even done with COVID. And uh, in fact, it's about to get much worse. So uh, whether or not I'm done with my, my my mom, personally, no one else is done with, with COVID. And a lot of people are going to be looking at having these experiences in the next couple of months that I already had. I don't know, maybe in a year after most of us are vaccinated and, you know, we're on to COVID-20, um, maybe things will be different. Maybe I'll feel yeah. differently about that. You yeah, know? I know. It's funny because in the Washington Post piece, it does really seem like you're doing a, a, a show about your mom. But I guess that was just a, a, a way in for them to tell the story of the fact that your mom died of COVID and whatever they wanted to, yeah. to write. I, I just can't believe part of me is like, I, I can't believe people are still dying of COVID. I feel like going, didn't you, didn't you see what I tweeted in June? Like you, you could prevent this. Yes. Did, yeah. No one paying attention. Like I, I, mean, I, it, I tried it, to warn you. It's not a hundred percent preventable, but it's certainly more preventable, particularly than people are doing in the United States. I mean, that's very worrying. Yes. Yeah. But I was watching Fox this morning and I, you know, I, I like to, CNN to me is pointless because it's basically just them telling me all shit that I either know or I agree with. It's not entertaining. So I do, I do the Fox flick, which I usually get about three minutes before I can't handle it anymore. <laughs> and uh, the, you know, they were just, again, this morning, they were just on about, we should have been fully opened up since May. And I'm just like, how are you guys still on this? We should be opened up track. I don't get it. Like they never accepted the seriousness of COVID. I don't, yeah, I don't get how uh, it's airborne. That's it. That's the only thing you need to know. It's airborne. And so uh, it seems like people got into the grocery wiping <laughs> and the doorknob cleaning, and then they, they could, their brains couldn't go any further than that, you know? Yeah. And, and it turned out that was kind of like not that important. No. And it's the, the truth is it's horrific because you can't see it and it's airborne and, and, it, and, when you're inside with people you love, they can infect you. It's, it's horrible. It's, and I, and I kind of understand why people are just turning it off. Like you, it's, it's too much for, for some people to, I guess, absorb or something, you know? Yeah. And obviously whatever they politicized it and then it becomes, that's the position that you take when you believe a certain thing, which is yeah. just so silly because it's a once in a century happening, you know? And like, no matter how bad it gets, like, I understand it's, it's, it's so difficult, but of course I'm talking to say, like, you're always, you're always pointing out, like there are people that are directly affected by the seriousness of this, but you can't connect to that because you haven't felt it. And of course now I'm talking to somebody who's, who's felt it. People can't make the connection that no matter how bad the economy gets, all these things, it will recover and we all will be, okay, there will be some wreckage, but it won't be as bad as increased amount of loss of people that shouldn't be dead. 
Yeah, 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 for sure. And 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 the people that should be dead, <laughs> um, it, the way that they're dying is really bad. Like, again, I, I don't want to put my mom in a category of like, you know, the, the, you read she had a thing. good decade in her. Yeah. What? Like, 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 like she had another decade in her. Like, you don't think she. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, for sure. But but uh, no one, you know, dying out, going out like that is awful. And there and there's old people now that have been in quarantine for like nine months in in nursing homes. And now they're dying. Like, are you shitting me? They haven't seen their loved ones in so long. And they and they're still going to go out like this. It's really it's really a shame. Yeah. Do you think. Like because I mean, your mother has died in, in a part of history. I mean, this is. This is as significant as 9-11 in terms of what it means to humanity. It'll, 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 it might even be a bigger story than 9-11 in the history books. I think it will be 100%. Is that, do you think, I mean, this is projection, but do you think that's weird for you? Like I always feel, I have a friend, you know, family friend, their father died in 9-11. And I always feel for them that they have to sort of relive their, their grief because they're part of <laughs> I have a their, joke that that tracks along this line. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, really? Yeah. If you're going to die during, during the COVID pandemic, it should be of COVID. You're like, don't wait, don't waste. Yeah. 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 Good for my mom. My, I, I actually have a friend whose dad died of just like a heart attack. And of course, you know, like it was early on too in the pandemic. So everyone's like, was it COVID? This, this, this fucking COVID is terrible. And she was like, no, nah, yeah. this heart valve. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. I remember Andy, Andy Richter's, uh, his aunt died and he had to start the tweet with going not from COVID. And I'm like, that's a pain in the ass. Like, you know, you, you should be allowed to just grieve without having to qualify it immediately, you know? Yes. Um, yes. But also it's, it, it doesn't, the other sad thing is it doesn't really matter because most likely, unless, unless hopefully she was in a hospice at home, I have no idea, but I would assume that a lot of people are not dying of COVID are still stuck dying in a way that you might as well have COVID because people aren't allowed to visit and all that. Yeah. Yeah. If you're in the hospital for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So you're, you're, you're stuck now for life. Every time this is brought up, you're going to have that, that memory. I have no, I, I, I have no historical triggers for my mom dying other than people. Yeah. That's actually quite glamorous to be a victim of COVID. I'm having a photo shoot later today. Yeah, you're, 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 you're one of the, the that's a that's some serious group picture. The 319,000 <laughs> people oh and their offspring. Fucking, oh man, that's a wide angle lens. <laughs> a lot of frowns. <laughs> yeah. So, oh, so so that's interesting because I, I really did think that you had already like done a show about your mom so you 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 have no idea if that's going to be a thing this is just you're just you're just in the middle of this now you're just dealing with it like any normal human being just trying to make your way through it all emotionally yeah just trying to get through to the vaccine i guess i'm trying to not get covid until i get the vaccine that's it that's my only goal for the next couple months i'm not i'm not remotely high on any sort of vaccine list so and you have you have kids right I have one kid, he's 14, so I don't think it's approved for kids, so. Um, no, but you've had the, not only did you lose your mom from COVID, but you had the one thing that makes COVID more fucking difficult, and that's a child learning remotely. Yes, but <laughs> he's a teenager, and it's so different. If, if he'd have been younger, um, this would have been a much, much more difficult. 
fault. Uh, but he like dismisses any of my suggestions or actions anyway. So he, he just locks himself in his room, does his zoom stuff. And, uh, it's actually pretty easy to have a teenager. Just watch. Oh, oh, that's good. If it yeah. makes you, if, if, if you ever wonder why one of the reasons I had a complicated relationship with my mother was after we finish this conversation, take a look at your 14 year old and then imagine sending him to another country, 3000 miles away on his own to go to boarding school. <laughs> Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, bit to get 20, 20, bit to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. That's wow. but, but, wow. but it, 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 it's, it's not as, it's, it's not as horrible as that sounds, but that is what happened. Oh my God. I couldn't, I couldn't be away from him. I would follow him immediately. I'd be on the next plane after and I, I'd rent a, an apartment near the school and I'd watch him in a recess from behind the chain link fence, like a lunatic. I know, oh my I God. I know when you think of it that way, but that's anxiety. I mean, I don't talk about this in my show, but. I often say, like, how bad does your anxiety have to be that it feels better to send your child to another country than just fucking deal with whatever behavioral issues he has? <laughs> um, so she sent you to Ireland from from the state. Well, she, she didn't really say. I actually asked to go, but somehow my parents and I couldn't say <laughs> her. You're supposed to say yes to your kid when they ask you that. Exactly. <laughs> well, it was both of them, really. I don't know why. I I always give my mom a hard time, but my dad was. Such, <laughs> My dad was such a non-presence with the discipline. You know, my dad was like, uh, you know, just hanging out. Hang, like, really, she was her fourth. He was her fourth child. But uh, anyway, uh, she does, for some reason, get the blame. It, that is actually, that is another part in itself, the gendered blame that women get. Like, like, like her responsibility was greater to keep me in America. Yeah, right, right, right. But anyway, uh, uh, I mean, I was, I was only half joking bringing that up, but anybody who tells me they have a 14 year old child, I always bring that up. <laughs> that's, I, I, I can't imagine that. that. That's, it's beyond my imagination really to do that. Um, I would miss him too much. Yeah, of course, of course, of, of course you, you, you would miss him too much. And now that you've, you know, done jokes about grief, you want to make sure that you're on the right side of them when you go yourself. <laughs> <laughs> You know, you, yeah, you, you don't definitely. Want, you don't want anything uh, too targeted or or too pointed. There's there's a, a thing in my head I was going to ask you about a second ago, and I got distracted by uh, by the fact that you have a a 14 year old. It was just like a final question about um, about grief, but it doesn't matter. It's gone out of my head. Um, we, or, we were talking about moms and and uh let's see having a 14 year old home made it harder 
these kids. Um, yeah, it was before that. It doesn't matter. It's a, it's it, okay. it's it's not super important. It was just it was it was it was it was a general question about grief. Actually, it wasn't. It was a it was a general thing about. Uh, oh, this was it. Okay. So your mom was with you for four years, and she was on. Oh, what, by the way, what was wrong with your mom? Like health wise, health wise. Oh my God, not, I wasn't mentally. <laughs> uh, <laughs> she was having heart failure. She was having um, another failure. Might have been kidney. Um, and before she was hospitalized, she was uh, she her hip popped out of its socket again. It was constantly her hips were constantly trying to leave. Um, and, uh, uh, she had difficult, difficulty breathing. I mean, she, I, before she went to the hospital, I was like, Oh, this, we don't have much time. So I did kind of hang out with her a little bit more and stop yelling at her and, and stuff. But again, I was thinking she would have a heart attack in the bed, not, you know, COVID. so, but yeah. So my question to you is based on the fact that I have definitely had this feeling and I wonder sometimes are people ashamed of it, but every, we talked a lot about those moments where you missed them. But still to this day, it's been a year and a half. I have these moments where I'm like, it's fucking handy not to have to look after that person at this juncture. Oh, yeah. Because, uh, I mean, I, I, because she lived with me in a very tiny space. It's like it was three generations, one bathroom. Um, and she had, you know, chronic diarrhea. Uh, there's there's wow. lots. A 14 year old. A, a four, or fourteen-year-old who has his own needs for the bathroom, and then uh, an older person with diarrhea—that's that—that's not much room left for you. Yeah, thank God I'm no longer menstruating. I'm the cleanest <laughs> one. That <has>. uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, it, she was always—I I just couldn't turn around without her her being there. So, um, you know, she used to. She used to go into, you know, a skilled nursing facility for like a week at a time, you know, like once a year, something would happen. And I would, it was such a vacation. So even though she, you know, I, I, before she got COVID, she was at this place for like 10 days and every day was heaven. (laughs) Um, I loved it, you know, and, um, uh, and so now it's, you know, like I, I wish she was nearby but I don't wish she was back here because finally, you know, this place is big enough for two people and I'm sort of scooting back into the places where I'd squished everything into, into corners and just moving furniture and going, Oh, there's breathing room here. And, and uh, you know, this is, this was her old bedroom. Um, So uh, yeah, it's, I mean, it's nice to have space back and, and it's nice to have emotional space in my life. Like I started cooking and I guess I didn't cook because I, I haven't untangled cooking and me and food yet. But the fact that she was going, oh, I put the sugar there and just constantly pointing to things and uh, made me go, fuck it. I'm just going to you know, put pizza in the oven. And so now there's no one there to watch me or um, supervise. Um, I'm sort of experimenting a little bit and I'm like, oh, I always kind of wanted to do this. And there's, there's things you can't do till your parents die. It's a yeah. fact. And there is it, there is some sort of weird emotional freedom or I don't know if it's deeper than that, but there is, I mean, I, 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 and who knows, everybody has their own relationship with their parents, but I, I do feel like there are times where you, it's, it's kind of like a positive. I don't know if positive is the right word, but you do get a relief. And honestly, when my mother was having like her bouts of, cause she had lung cancer too, by the way, it wasn't what killed her, but just various like health emergencies. 
right. they, they will, they will till, well, I don't know. Cause I don't have children yet, but up until the age of 45, those will be the most stressful situations of, of my life. You know, those health emergencies. And then I don't know how big your mom's extended family was, but just dealing with all that, the, the personalities yeah. and the emotions, so stressful. So when that suddenly leaves, it's like amazing how much less shit you have to deal with in your life. For sure. For sure. Um, yeah, I think I, I must have sort of exited my body frequently while I was living in this house just because it, it was too many, too many people. And, um, and so now that I'm, I, like I, I, I made a list of where everything is in my house so I could find it. And that was strangely helpful. And I did, and I, and I couldn't deal with that when my mom was here, cause a lot of it was her stuff and it's out. And I don't know, it's, it was a, it was a weird thing to do, but I, I have it saved on Evernote. So I'm like, where are those, where, where's the, where are those screws that I just Google it or look, search for it on Evernote. And I know where it is. And before I used to not know where anything was, cause I kind of just didn't want to be settled in here because there's too many spirits here, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Although the one bit of advice I did, I do give people in my show is that the most important thing uh, that you need to do before your parents die is get their fucking passwords. Yes. Oh my God. I haven't, I I didn't, I haven't seen your show. I wouldn't have written a chapter like that in my book, but yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, I I wrote a a chapter called passwords. Get out of here. But I, I think I, I do think that that is like, that is a realization that anyone who whose parents die in the age of the web, uh, yeah. they 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 notice that they deal with that. That's yeah, funny that you have. <laughs> yeah, if you don't, um, like companies aren't they? They'll like they'll shut a, an account down immediately. They'll shut the phone down immediately. You're like, no, I need those voicemails. Just fucking let me let me just pretend to be this guy for a month. And then you can shut them all down, please. You know, they start getting the notifications from the state. And so, yeah. Uh, so yeah. And I, I, I love when you get like sheriff's letters for like shit that they didn't pay or stuff you didn't notice. And you're like, Jesus Christ, you're so fucking heartless. I'm not going to name any companies, but my mother had like, like $60 owed on like one of the credit cards. And like, we hadn't noticed. And then like suddenly we, I hadn't been to her apartment in ages and then we were selling it. So I looked through the mail and there's all these like threatening letters, like this needs to be paid. It's like, go fuck yourself, man. <laughs> I oh, mean, yeah. in, the end, in the end we paid it. Cause I guess they can come after the estate, but yeah, it, 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 I, I still, by the way, I still get like, there's still letters that are sent to my mom. I, I would have thought that our, in, in this society, we would have been better at sort of knowing when people are dead. Yeah. Two, two things to that. Like my mom was getting sent like $30 a month from this annuity <laughs> and she got the $30 and then like died two days later. And, and uh, so they sent a letter saying that they wanted it back. And I'm like, okay. And then I wrote, you know, I wrote a little fuck you in the memo. She $30 back. <laughs> and then up until the election, it was nonstop uh, letters from concert, like, you know, Martha McSally, all these, you know, asshole uh, Republicans running for re-election or election. And um, anytime they sent me a self-addressed stamped envelope or stamps, I would like wrote, I would write on their donation letter. She died from COVID. I hope you do too. And I would mail it back to them. (laughs) (laughs) Because I I follow you on Twitter. So I know that you are definitely (laughs) your mother. Yourself and your your mother were very divergent politically. You were were not the same person. 
Yeah, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> oh, that's great. Well, listen, thank, thanks so much for, for chatting to me. I just really just thought it'd be funny to chat to a kindred spirit. Uh, adult yeah. orphan, adult orphan is what I was told we are. Oh, sure, sure, sure. I do hate it when people haven't had this experience and they come at you like, oh, how do you find humor? in tr-? Like, uh, I'm a comic, you know, come on. It's, it's nice to have a shorthand with a fellow comic. Yeah, well, well, what, 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 what's really hard to articulate to them is it's not actually a big deal. It's basically the same process as any life experience I've had. I, I see the funny in it. You see it straight away. Not because we're, we're, we're special people or anything. It's just a habit you get into. It so is a habit. Yeah. It's only natural that it's going to start to happen. You know, like here, here's one. It's not in the show. Actually, it was in my eulogy uh, because my brother's a comedian, too. And uh, oh my, God. my mother was still dead in the bed. She's dead, but she hasn't been taken out of the house yet. So she's, oh, just, no. she's lying dead in the bed. And uh, like, there's like three, there was my, my, both of my brothers, we all have a very similar sense of humor. And then this other woman who's like a friend of my mom's, but she was a nurse. Uh, and she just had to live amongst our insensitive way of dealing with death. <laughs> so so uh, he was like, this is very sad for us, but they're fucking high-fiving in Medicare. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know, because she, she fucking, she dripped that system dry, which I'm sure it sounds oh, like sure. your mom. I'm sure, sure your mom was doing that too. But like, oh my God. It was- I think for us, it's immediate. I think some people think it's like, um, like it's a negative coping technique or maybe that they would think that somehow it's like avoidance, but. Or disrespectful I, I, to the person who's dying. Oh yeah, well, thank God that is one thing that my my mother would would not uh, consider to be the case. Yeah. You know, th- yeah. th- thank God for that. You know, I mean, my mother was like disrespectful till till she died. In fact, the day before she died, I mean, I've said this on the podcast before, but the day before she died, she was like in and out, and I I hadn't found out where she wanted her ashes spread. You know, and. Yeah. Uh, so I was like shouting at her, like, Mom, Mom, what do you want? You do you want me to spread your ashes? And eventually, she kind of like came to, and she was like, "I don't give a fuck where you spread my ashes." Like she wasn't, she wasn't somebody that lived in, the, she wasn't somebody that lived in the, the, the yeah. realm of like respect. She kind of died as as irreverent as as she lived, you know. Oh, that's great. I, I, I'm sort of parsing my dad's out. You know, whenever I travel, I take a, take a little bit. Oh, right. really? Yeah. Uh huh. We actually, uh, <laughs> we, we, we spread my dad's ashes as per his wishes in a particular location in Ireland, but my mother had kept a bit, you know, for herself. She had plans to do something with it. She never did. And then when we were cleaning out my mom's apartment to, cause it was being sold like, like over a year after she died, we finally sold it because we found out we weren't going to sell it cause we thought COVID would be the worst thing for real estate. Turns out if you're not in Manhattan, it's the best thing for real estate. Anyway. Uh, crazy. Yeah. Eventually, my aunt, I was like, I was like, the house is clear. She was like, I'm going to go in and see if there's anything else. My aunt calls me. She's like, your father was still in the house. Ah! <laughs> his, his fucking ashes were still in there. Oh, my God. Course, Maybe she wanted them to go to the next owner. Maybe they're. Uh, yeah, exactly. It's like good spirits. Oh, actually, you want, you want to know a funny thing about cultural differences? Asians bought the house as they buy everything in the neighborhood that I grew up in. <laughs> and my brother was like, because my aunt lives across the streets. Why my mother bought there? Because my aunt would help out all the time. And my brother, Mike, was like, bro, tell Aunt Mary, if she meets the new owners before we close, do not 
tell them that somebody died in the house because Asians are really superstitious and they might pull out of the deal if they know that mom died in there. <laughs> See, I, I don't want a house unless someone's died in it. I want some company. Um. <laughs> exactly. You want some, like, the, the real life. Yeah. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't believe, like, I, 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 I it's, we only closed like a couple of months ago. Like every time I would go in there, I'd walk into the room and like the hospital bed wasn't there anymore, but I'd look in the spot and I was like, how fucking wild is that? Like that shit went down right there. I'm the same way. In fact, my, my okay. So my mom sold the house in 2016. Right. And, um, and then she, the, the, those owners just sold it this summer and they renovated it. And I was obsessed. I was on Redfin every day looking at pictures. I'm like, look what they that's where dad died right there oh my god and it's you know they put a mirror in it yeah i mean i i still uh part of me wants to at uh, one day buy that house pack but you gotta i don't know i, I also don't want to be living in nostalgia for the rest of my life and i got a 14 year old who doesn't give a fuck and i don't want his memories of me being sad about my childhood you know but it, it is hard to let go of that physical space where you know, they, they last took their breath and you were there and, you know, you feel like it should be honored or there should be like some sort of notification for future owners, like something very special happened here. Yeah. Yeah. I had the, I, I like word for word had the exact experience of going onto a, a, a property site. In actual fact, I, I actually, I called to the door of the house that we grew up in the house that my dad died in because they were Chinese people. So I, you know, I can speak Chinese. So I, I, was speaking to the guy in Mandarin and he gave me a tour, but it was only under construction then. But since then I've done what you've done and I go yeah. onto the property site and it's just like, it's hard to even know that it was our house. They changed it so much. Wow. Yeah. And of course it's not yours. And there were people that had the house before us and you know, it's just so funny. Yeah. You, you just have to let it go. But I, I think, I think selling the home that you grew up in is a, is a good experience because it's like kind of reflects the impermanence of life and it reminds you to move on. Yeah. And don't get too stuck to the place you're in now too, you know? It's very Buddhist. The, the, yeah. The, what is it? that They have the practice of non-attachment. You know, it just helps you to know that. Yeah. I mean, at the end of your life, do you want to have lived for 40 years in one place or do you want to have gone to a whole bunch of different places? You know? I mean, I, 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 I would love to, I would love to see all, you know, lots of places, live lots of places for a year or so. As soon as my son's out of high school, I'm fucking out of here. I'm like, you, could send him, you could send him to another country right now. Just get, get the <laughs> <laughs> There's precedent. <laughs> You're like a Supreme Court case. <laughs> Look how well the U.S. versus Des Bishop turned out. <laughs> Uh, that's great, Laurie. Thanks so much. It was fun. It was fun chatting you. It was, it was entertaining and therapeutic. Yeah, it's great to talk to you. Oh, what's your, uh, might as well, you might as well plug your, your Twitter or, or anything else you want to plug for that. Moment. Oh, sure. Um, uh, any Laurie 16, A-N-Y-L-A-U-R-I-E 16 on Twitter. And my, I have a podcast with Jackie Cation called the Jackie and Laurie show. She's a stand up. We, we talk every week and uh, I, my book is called dead people suck. And it's about my dad's, uh, my dad's lung cancer and hospice and stuff. Yeah, so people should check. I mean, it's mostly Irish people that listen to this, but hey, why not get uh, why not you know get some of the people that are genetically connected to you to become aware of your stuff? <laughs> sure, yeah, come on board. <laughs> All right, thanks. Well, it was great to catch up, and uh, I'll talk to you sometime in the future. I, I have no more parents to die to connect us, but we'll figure something out. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll have a child. I'll have a child, and I'll ask you for some parenting advice. <laughs> 
right, cool. <laughs> All right, Laurie, thanks. See you. Bye. Thanks. Bye. Yeah. So thanks to Laurie. Thanks to you guys. Christmas Eve. I mean, I guess it wasn't exactly the, the cheeriest Christmas message, but at the same time, Christmas is about family, and this was a very family chat. I forgot to apologize at the beginning of the episode that I probably sound a bit slurry. I have a cut on the left side of my tongue, and uh, it's it's uh, it's causing my speech a little bit of a a little bit of a problem. Um, anyway, I hope you enjoyed it. I, I obviously I really enjoyed it. Um, going into my second Christmas now without parents, but this Christmas is obviously quite different because I've got the. Uh, the girlfriend and the girlfriend's family could be the beginning of the rest of my life. Who knows? But it certainly has uh, brought a bit of Christmas cheer back into my life. I have not one but two Christmas trees in the house because Bravo's chat room wanted a, a Christmas tree for the background and uh, they sent a fake Christmas tree, which was easy to maneuver around the house. So we've got double Christmas cheer here in the house. Um. Tum Tum has finally calmed down after trying to eat my headphones. Dogs love headphones. I don't know if people uh, people know that, but they love the ends of headphones. Flynn used to chew. I've gone through a lot of headphones since I started fostering dogs. The cat and the dog are currently not uh, at loggerheads, so there is peace. Peace on earth here in the Bishop household on Christmas Eve. Um, I feel like I keep saying I'm going to put up that episode from The Shift the day that my mom died. I think I'm going to put it up immediately after this. I'm going to put this episode up and that episode up together. So for those that never heard that episode, you should listen to that just to give a... I, I feel like it's kind of relevant now. Um, uh, so I'll just put that up. It's just a bonus. If you've listened to it already, don't worry. It's no problem. Also, can I say thanks to you guys? You guys really stepped it up on the reviews and on the ratings on Apple Podcasts, and I really appreciate it. Um, uh, it it really makes a difference with the charts. And the only, by the way, the only reason we care about the charts is because it's just a handy way to get some visibility, to get some new people to listen to the pod. Because the more, the merrier. Uh, it's it's um, it's also at a time where I'm just trying to make more of an effort because we've been so consistent for so long lately that. I feel like it's it's the right time to get the, the word out properly. Um, I also appreciate, since we're heading towards the end of the year, can I just say to you, the listener, I appreciate you guys coming along for the ride of what has really been, throughout the pandemic, trying to figure out exactly what this podcast is. And there's been a few manifestations in the last year. Uh, whatever about the fact that it's quite the departure from the original Des Bishop podcast, which was chatting to comics... We've gone through different guest hosts and vibes and different things. And so I appreciate you guys sticking around. I'm sure sometimes uh, you got a pain in your hole with it, but uh, it, it means a lot. And the feedback means a lot. And um, the fact that a lot of you have made comments about liking some of the more serious topics warms my heart because don't ask me why, but I, I'm... I'm more inclined to go for the more serious topics. Even like a chat like today, it'd be more my vibe. Um, so I think myself and Steve will uh, maybe try to find some guests and some topics that that are like that. Not all the time, but but sometimes. Anyway, I'm I'm really waffling now. 
So enjoy, uh, enjoy Christmas or whatever way you celebrate this winter solstice time, this, 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 this winter holiday. Uh, enjoy it. And uh, we'll be back next week, I think. Um, I'll, <clears throat> I'll either do an episode with Steve or maybe with Hannah or maybe all three of us. Uh, just a lighthearted mid-Christmas app. And um, we'll see you on Instagram, at Des Bishop. And don't forget to leave comments and reviews if you haven't done so. Screenshots and stuff, which was great. A lot of, a lot of people screenshotting uh, about the vaccine episode, which was nice. Twitter, at Des Bishop. I've been doing a little more activity on Twitter lately because I feel like that's the place to advertise the podcast, even though it's a, it's a den of hell, Twitter. But we're over there, too. And, and we'll be back next week. Enjoy. I gotta go wrap my presents now. So, the stress begins. Have a wonderful, wonderful holiday. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.